Hello, and welcome back to The Next Horizon, a Dell Technologies podcast. I'm John Hyde, and together we'll explore the implications of several major emerging technologies for business, society, and most importantly, for you. Hi, I'm John Hyde, and today I'm joined by Vish Nadlal. Vish, you lead the technology and ecosystems uh, group for John Rose's office, the CTO here at Dell Technologies. I'm not 100% sure what that means. Could you explain what exactly it is that you and your team do? Sure. Uh, technology strategy and ecosystems is really all about making sure that we don't miss the next big technology inflection. Uh, the whole idea is we want to be able to lead through our product portfolio with the latest innovations and trying to anticipate when technologies are going to be sufficiently mature to be adopted by customers and to develop a point of view and a strategy around them so that our business units can best make uh, advantage of those technologies is really what my team's all about. Got it. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Okay, thank you for that. So, you know, today we're here to talk about data management and it seems like there's a lot of different definitions of data management rolling around out there. In, in your words, in our context as a company, what do we mean when we say data management? It's uh, a very loaded term, data management. Um, I like to think of it more as an IT process. And the goal here, the project, is to be able to organize and control your data. Um, you want to make sure that it's accessible, reliable, and timely whenever any of your users are going to call upon it. You know, what that means uh, in reality is really a set of tools that can encompass the entire life cycle of a data asset. So, so from the very initial creation of the data all the way to the final retirement. And so you're going to use a suite of capabilities that help you to collect, validate, store, organize, protect, process, and just otherwise maintain the data. And within a Dell Technologies perspective, we like to think of it across three broad pillars. Um, there's a preservation of your data, which encompasses things like uh, the data storage and persistence layers, data protection. There's data activation, which starts to bring in this lens on how do I process the data? Uh, how does the data then make itself to a tool or a platform that allows me to compute upon it? And then finally, there's data curation, where we have capabilities like data governance. Uh, how do I manage the data? How do I apply policy? How do I ensure my data is sufficiently private? All of those capabilities come out under that pillar. So we, we look at it through those three broad pillars, but as I said, it, it means many different things. Yeah, it, feel, it feels like a, a life cycle, right? So we're looking at origination of the data, curation of it, how we handle it, and all the things that we need to think about when we start to handle these things that have an, a lot of value to our customers. And, and then how do we ensure that we have integrity of that data, secure it, whether it's for intellectual property rights or um, whether it's against malicious activity or whatever the case may be, and how do we actually start to gain value from it? So, you know, it really brings to, you know, disclosure of this idea of the data pipeline and what that means and how data in motion can have value while it's in motion as well as once it gets to its end state. You know, can you talk about that importance of developing a real comprehensive data management strategy that suits both the old world of data at rest and this new world of data in motion and, you know, customers experience both of these at the same time. The evolution of data management has really tracked against these two trends, um, this notion of data at rest and data in movement. 
you know, fundamentally it, it culminates into these um, theoretical concepts uh, called lambda or kappa functions, but let's not um, take a detour into that. Let's really talk about what are the primary ways we need to process data. And some convenient terms are things like batch processing and stream processing. And both of these methods have some pretty unique advantages and disadvantages, and it really depends on the use case. So if I think of batch processing, you think of data that's being collected into batches and then fed into an analytic system. And the big thing here is that prior to be loaded, loaded into a, an analytic system, it uh, basically starts to move through a database or a file system of some kind. You could think of um, batch processing as ideal for things where I have very large data sets, projects that require deep data analysis. It's not so desirable for projects where you need speed or real-time results. So then we've got stream processing. And stream processing is all about speed in real-time analytics. And here you're building your analytic system piece by piece as soon as the data presents itself. So this allows you to produce key insights in near real time. Now, how would you kind of pull these two things together? A perfect example is something like artificial intelligence or machine learning. If you think of the development phase of AI, you train a model using a batch process. You're effectively taking data out of storage, you're feeding it into the system, you're qualifying it relative to a particular expected outcome. That error function then helps to retrain a set of weights until the model starts to converge. That's the batch process. When you actually take that model and you do inferencing, you're classifying, you're actually deploying it, you typically would use a streaming pipeline of data. And that streaming pipeline is to do a predictive event of some kind. It's to be able to provide a timely classification insight, i.e., Someone is about to steal that loaf of bread off the grocery shelf. Um, you know, some type of event needs to be triggered as a result of it. So you can kind of see that both of those types of techniques really coming together in one fairly recent contemporary example. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that my mind really jumped to when you talk through this, and it makes really good sense putting in that in that context this idea of autonomous vehicles, right? Mm. You know, you think about how that works in real time. You have the vehicles who need to be able to make decisions in real time based on the data that they have available within their own context. But then if you extend that a little bit further and we go to this idea of a, a swarm or hive mentality where those vehicles can communicate with each other in near real time to deduce things like traffic pattern issues or accidents or you know just congestion and, and how that might be dealt with in the local ecosystem of those vehicles. There's value there, but then that's the near real time piece that you referred to. But then there's the batch processing where you start to look at the anomalous things that happen in those hives and swarms and you start to surface those anomalies back to the greater control system, which can make better decisions or retrain the model to make better decisions over time and then pass that back to the individual endpoints to be able to make those decisions in a different way in the future. Exactly. Um, th there's really no universally superior method, really, when you think of the two. Um, they both have strengths and weaknesses. It really, it's going to depend on your project. I think when it comes to data processing above everything else, flexibility is really the most important factor for how you build your data teams and data infrastructure. Most projects will require different approaches. If you have you know, a legacy set of equipment and you're doing cloud migration, 
chances are you're using batch processing. Most of your legacy equipment doesn't support streaming. There's not a, a clear winner. Um, the winners are the teams that can work well with both. Mm. Now, now, if you want to have an efficient pipeline, you need to do the pipe cleaning processes. You need to go out and really understand the inefficiencies and the, the clogs that are going to cause your pipelines to not be efficient. That's always been a manual process in traditional IT infrastructures, but this idea of embedding machine intelligence, embedding you know, better understanding of the pipeline and the outcomes that you're trying to drive and creating a more automated pipe cleaning type of a mentality is, is really key to success for a lot of our customers. Is there any insights you could share on that? Yeah, the, you're talking about something that's super important. We're seeing a lot of organizations hit this stage where the growing pains of, of scaling a data program is starting to become evident. Um, and this is because a lot of people, you know, begin the journey through ad hoc data pipelines that depend on, you know, kind of a few code literate experts that they're not really repeatable at scale. So what all customers have to be aware of as they start the journey is that you need to carefully select data infrastructure that can grow as your organization and to help operationalize the process. And I think that's the key word here. You know, operationalizing these processes require something that we call a 360 uh, degree view of your data pipeline. The old way of just, you know, corporate performance dashboards potentially didn't require that um, to the degree that you have today. You have these new ecosystems where you have analytics platforms or data, data science platforms that are built across companies' digital transformation projects. And these are the fundamental building block of their competition moving forward. And so you need to have systems where monitoring, being able to understand when the data quality is starting to degrade, to be able to understand how much CPU and storage capacity is in the commit log, to understand, you know, what the topology your data pipeline is traversing and whether it's doing that in a compliant way. Today's data pipelines are crazy sophisticated. They, they used to be all unidirectional, batch-oriented types of devices. Today, they're polydirectional. They span from a core to an edge. They're streaming, typically. Um, they're multi-cloud. So data pipelines just require a tremendous amount of care and feeding. And so that visibility and that operationalization of it become incredibly um, needed. You brought up an interesting point that I do want to circle back to, which is this, this idea of looking at these data pipelines from a 360 degree point of view. And, and the reality is a lot of times when we start to leverage machine intelligence to help us scale these technologies to a point where we can really capture the value, the machine intelligence does some things that we may not necessarily anticipate. It could in, you know, interpret new data that we didn't even anticipate was going to be coming out of these types of technologies. And when we do that, our natural inclination is to correct that behavior. We go back and we're like, no, that's not the data we were looking for. That's not the outcome that we expected. So, I mean, that's something for us to think about as we look at our customers and try and help them is sometimes they may not understand the value of their data. Mm. It's becoming incredibly important to understand those outlier events um, and to start asking the appropriate questions so that your outliers, because very often they lead to really see changes in the way you perceive your business. You know, there is the non-apocryphal story, oddly enough, this is an actual story of some cancer research that was done into breast cancer where a cohort was viewed as 
having an effect where a drug was 80% effective in a group of females. And what they found out through the data analysis was the interpretation was completely wrong, was that this particular drug was 100% effective in 80% of the population. And that just simple conclusion, flipping an insight on its head, suddenly drives an incredibly different dividend from the research. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a powerful thing to think about. So not everyone's going to get that same type of value from data, but I think that when we think about how we evolve our data management strategy and we think about how it impacts the work that we do from day to day, what, what are the insights that you draw from these kinds of events? So within the technology strategy and ecosystems team, we obviously deal with data at great scale. Um, we're trying to build certainty into technologies that are emerging. So inherently uncertain technologies, how do I get certain about it? Um, and the best way to do that is to start to go back to a database line that you can build. And that database line is going to be constructed of a lot of weak signals that come from all of the assets that Dell has. For instance, trouble tickets, understanding what are chronic and perennial problems that identify underserved needs from the customer that can be met and addressed with some emerging technology it helps us to create value propositions. But what we found is when we take a look at um, trying to undertake those types of analyses is that we run into similar problems that other enterprises have with their data assets. Now, data silos in particular across the Dell Technologies landscape is an impediment to a lot of the, the types of analyses that we want to be able to do. Um, what we've been trying to establish, I guess, or, or, or invent within the company is to do a bit of champagne drinking. Uh, take some of the concepts that we've been thinking through that could help to address those problems for our own data management um, exercises. We've been looking at things like enterprise knowledge graphs um, that has long been in academia, but we're starting to see adoption across a lot of smaller enterprise who are using kind of graph-based data management and analytics to combine multiple sources into an enterprise knowledge graph. Now, what we don't want to do is to take the time-honored tradition of consolidating everything in a knowledge graph. So we're actually trying to leverage the benefit of an EKG by integrating the data from multiple sources through an indirect way, through a virtual way, meaning that the knowledge graph is representing data and it can pull data from any source, but it's not consolidating the data. We're actually creating an abstraction of the data. Uh, and so pro by providing that and separating the use case from the data source, it's enabling us to leave the data where it is and treat all of the Dell data set as a single resource to drive all of our use cases. Um, and this is helping us to support, you know, much deeper, more sophisticated analyses into how we can take emerging technologies and apply them better uh, to the products and services that Dell's offering. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really powerful thing for us to consider, especially when we talk with our customers. They're bombarded with a host of challenges that come up, whether it's regulatory compliance, intellectual property and governance. Um, it, it could just be a fear of the technology and not understanding it or not having the resources to really take these things on. But, you know, these trends of emerging technologies are what are going to help our customers achieve these business goals and create totally new business goals for themselves. So what advice do you have for customers who are hesitant in these areas? You know, we're, we're definitely in 
a realm where not having a data management capability is going to significantly affect your ability to compete. You know, if the cornerstone of many data management projects are on the altar of your analytics and your data science activities, you're impeding it. You know, if I think of, you know, the historical pain point of ETL and data integration was that I had to move data between operational systems. And that typically had a, a pretty negative impact on the business. A lot of that movement would occur in batches versus real time. And it put a ticking clock on the freshness and relevance of the data that had just been integrated. So that, that was a reasonably sufficient thing for the past when you had a limited number of people needing to leverage the data for your corporate performance dashboard or your first generation BI use case. But today you really need to move at the pace of digital. And that means iterative access to all the relevant data. You need an exploding number of end users, not just data producers, but data consumers, the data scientists, the business analysts. And this ability to do real-time integration and to view and access all that data is really the goal of most of these projects. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going to um, really try to lean in on digital transformation, you really need to take careful, calculated decisions around what your data infrastructure is going to look like. I think that is a really salient point that a lot of our customers will take to heart and then wonder what they do next. And I think we're a lot of us are in the same boat when it comes to that. And I think that the evolution of data management and as we look how that's going to impact things like data pipelines and the future of our technology is is, is a powerful thing for us to think about. So Vish, I, I wanna thank you very much for your time and for the insights today. Uh, again, Vish, Vish Nadval from Technology and Ecosystems for the Office of CTO for John Rose here at Dell Technologies. Vish, thanks so much for your time today and uh, look forward to talking again in the future. Thanks a lot, John, it was a pleasure. For those of you who enjoyed this podcast, you can find it at www.delltechnologies.com slash nexthorizon along with future podcasts and other great content focused on emerging technologies. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to subscribe. Until next time, I'm John Hyde, and this is The Next Horizon.